This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 40. Today we hear about the chinchilla, try to guess three animal mystery sounds, and a lot more. This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, and my name is Fred Vishman, and I am your host and author of the 120 Animal 12 Book Visit the Zoo series of Kindle books, print books, audiobooks, DVD, and of course, this podcast. We've got a feature-backed and a really full schedule of great segments for you today on the Visit the Zoo podcast. I want to remind you about our three websites that we have going in association with this podcast. First of all, the main website is Zoo Animals, that's plural, zooanimals.info, zooanimals.info. And my main author website is Frederick Fishman, it's spelled F-I-C-H-M-A-N, Dot com. And if you want to help and support everything we do here on the Visit the Zoo series of projects we've got going, please go to patreon.com forward slash visit the zoo. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash visit the zoo. And I also want to mention again about our two new merchandise stores we've got with the nameplate apparel called Zooswear. And if you want to get to those two merchandise sites, the easiest way really is to go to zooanimals.info. And at the very top tabs, you'll see Zooswear on Amazon and Zooswear on Zazzle. Click either one and it'll take you to a host of apparel. Okay, what do you say? Let's get started. All right, we've got two news stories today, and what I want to do is start off with this first one. I've got uh, the original story, and I've got an update, too, and you may have heard about this one because this happened recently. A New Orleans zoo, this is at the Audubon Zoo, by the way, in New Orleans, remained closed on Saturday after a jaguar escaped its habitat and killed six other animals. Audubon Zoo said the three-year-old male jaguar named Valero was spotted outside his enclosure by an employee around 7 a.m. Valero attacked four alpacas, one emu, and a fox. The animals died. Kyle Burks, who is the vice president and managing director for the zoo, said at a news conference that Valero was sedated by a team of veterinarians and the animal was returned and secured in his area. No humans were injured. Well, had that been later on in the day, you know, who knows what could have happened. And then shortly thereafter, a few hours later, there was an update, and this is from the Sun newspaper in the U.K., and it's about the big cat named Valerio was sedated by tranquilizer darts after he killed four alpacas, one emu, and a fox, and badly mauled three other creatures at a zoo in New Orleans. Valerio savaged nine animals in an hour-long killing spree after escaping his enclosure. Officials said he was spotted by a staff member roaming freely inside the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans around 7.20 a.m. yesterday. He then went on a bloody hour-long rampage, attacking nine other zoo animals before he could be stopped. Eventually, veterinarians managed to prepare tranquilizers and sedated him. Zoo vet Frank Burks later told the media that Valerio would not be euthanized. He added, 
Nothing's going to happen to the Jaguar itself. Unfortunately, it's just what Jaguars do. They kept the area clear, of course, of people because it was very early and they hadn't opened up yet. And it says that in a zoo statement that our animals are our family. We are devastated by this loss. We are mourning the loss of six animals that did not survive and three animals injured, one alpaca named Daisy and two foxes called Cooper and Rusty. They are under professional care. So anyhow, that's the story out of New Orleans. This next one I just picked up a few minutes ago from NBC Nightly News. The date is today. Sunday, July the 15th, 2018, when I'm recording this. So let me just play this for you. And it's about efforts to save the white rhino from complete and total extinction. For thousands of years, humans have been impacting the Earth's ecosystem, and some would say we've had a mostly negative impact on the world's animal population. But now, as our Matt Bradley reports, scientists at the San Diego Zoo are hoping to reverse the alarming declines using some pretty fascinating new tools. At the San Diego Zoo, it's not just about protecting endangered animals. Good girl. <laughs> Here, they're trying to give them new life. Their cells frozen in time. And how long can that last? Indefinitely. Really? Think of the frozen zoo as Jurassic Park meets Noah's Ark. We may be able to change the game to prevent extinction. Dr. Oliver Ryder manages the lab, storing frozen DNA from over 10,000 different animals. This small room, one of the most biodiverse places on Earth. We may be able to genetically rescue some species that have had their gene pools shrink to gene puddles. The mission is crucial. Global populations of vertebrate animals declined by about 60% since 1970. Scientists say human activity like poaching and pollution has driven extinction rates a thousand times higher than they would be without human intervention. The urgency to perfect the technology came in March when a northern white rhino named Sudan, the last male of his subspecies, died. So is this one of the last specimens of him? It is. It's probably the last specimen we froze here of his skin cells. Dr. Barbara Durant and her team hope to jumpstart the subspecies through a complex method of fertilization after those skin cells are reprogrammed into cells capable of fertilizing a northern white rhino egg. This is also the first time we've applied this broad range of advanced technology to saving the species. The embryo would then be implanted in a host rhino capable of giving birth. That's our ultimate goal is to have a self-sustaining herd of northern white rhinos back in the wild. Conservationists here are trying to correct for the human impact on the environment, but they also grapple with an ethical question. Can more human intervention correct for past human mistakes? I think the massive intervention is the destruction of habitat, the poaching to extinction of, of species. This is a well thought out, reasoned, scientific intervention to reverse the damage that we have done. A hope that with new technology, extinction may become extinct. Matt Bradley, NBC News, San Diego. I'm going to take a look at our three mystery animal sounds for today and see if we can figure out what they are. I'm going to play them for you, and then let me see if you can guess what they are. And then after the next segment, we'll come back and I'll tell you who those three animals were. First of all, let's go with the first animal sound. Okay, and this is now animal sound number two. 
here is animal sound number three. And those are our three mystery animal sounds for today. And it's animal description time here on the Visit the Zoo podcast. Usually I'll play a pre-recorded segment I grab from one of the audiobooks from Visit the Zoo that you can get at audible.com, by the way. But I did a live read with a guest in the studio, so let's play that. And this is the part of the episode in the Visit the Zoo podcast where we usually have a animal description. And I usually record something live or I drop something in from the audiobooks of Visit the Zoo and give you a description that way. But today we're going to do a live read that I am recording. How's that for confusion? And I'm going to do this with help, too. I've got a friend with me here today in the studio. His name is Kevin, and he is from Los Angeles. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Fred. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for being in the studio. And today we're going to talk about chinchillas. And the reason why Kevin is here is because he was a proud keeper of a chinchilla. And so he knows a lot about them. But preamble here to tell you about chinchillas. And chinchillas are a species of crespuscular, that's right, crespuscular rodents. They are slightly larger than ground squirrels. And they live in colonies in high elevations of up to 14,000 feet. And in each colony, they can have as few as five or as many as 100 members. Can you imagine trying to take care of 500 Kevin? I couldn't. Yeah. I don't want to. They have big colonies. So they uh, up to 14,000 feet. And the reason why they live so high is because they are trying to protect themselves, of course, from predators. They live along the coast of western South America, mostly in Chile, in the Andes Mountains. And they are named after the Chinsa people of the Andes. Chinchillas have the thickest fur, the densest fur of any land animal on earth. In water, their comparative species would be the sea otter, which has the densest coat. And it's because of that dense and beautiful coat that they've been hunted for centuries. Now there are restrictions on their hunting, and any coats that are made from chinchilla are usually done from farms where they raise the chinchilla. But that's really becoming less and less of a problem. And they are currently on the endangered list. In their current native habitats up in the mountains in the Andes, they live in burrows or rock crevices, and they're very agile jumpers, as you probably can attest to, Kevin. They can jump up to six feet. Yeah, that is right. Is that true? That is true. And they eat mostly in the wild, plant leaves, fruits, seeds, and small insects. They are very popular pets, but they have a high maintenance value to them. I think that's something else you could also attest to. Indeed. They must have extensive exercise and they need proper dental care because their teeth keep growing throughout a lifetime. They instinctively clean themselves, and they know how to do this, they're born with this, by rolling themselves in dust, mostly pumice that they use to clean off their fur. And that means they take dust baths. So that's a little bit about the chinchilla. I thought I'd bring Kevin into the studio today to let me know a little bit about his experiences with chinchillas. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your chinchilla, a little gray one. His his name, was it he? 
Yeah, yeah, it, it was a he. And it was, was Chi-Chi. All right, tell yeah. me a little bit about Chi-Chi. Tell me about his personality and how long you had him and just a general overview, and then we'll dig deep for detail. Never not to waste words, Fred. He's a stand-up guy. 11 years, and uh, he was the most loyal pet that I've ever I've ever had the experience of, of sharing part of my life with. Tell me about his eating habits. What did you feed him, and what did he like in particular? Well, mostly pellets and hay from time to time raisins and other dried fruit were treats and, and delicacies that, that he would like getting back to the the care of the chinchilla you know you mentioned that the coat was thick and, and dense but really it's the softest material i think i've ever felt right. and in order for that to occur the chinchilla needs to have routine dust baths so a daily dust bath was was typical for Chi Chi. Uh, how'd you do that? Did you put? Did he have some kind of device, or a, well, there or was you a, just pile it up in the corner? No, how did you, how'd no, you do I, that? There was a plastic tub, and I would fill it with dust, and he would climb in and roll around, and and it, it's quite the sight if 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 you haven't seen it before. Uh, it's pretty violent, actually. But the, the chichilla rolls around and and wants to ensure that the dust covers every part of the of the fur because the the chinchilla doesn't take a traditional bath or shower like like you or I so the oils uh, tend to build up over time and the only way for them to maintain healthy skin and fur is to have uh, routine dust baths it provides their fur and, and skin with the nutrients it needs I can only imagine that a chinchilla rolling around and thrashing around in the dust that must have put a lot of dust airborne Indeed. Yeah. Where did that land? <laughs> well, that's 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 the problem. You you need to you need to constantly maintain and care for the chinchilla's cage and area surrounding. You know they are for the most part fairly quiet and they don't make they don't make a huge mess, but they do they do go to the bathroom frequently. So it's important that you change out their cage on a, a very regular basis, not only for the health of the chinchilla, but the owner as well. Another point I want to touch on with the chinchilla, just talking about just general health, it has some front teeth that really serve a few purposes, but at the end of the day, it's necessary for the chinchilla survival. It uses those front teeth to eat, to gnaw, to provide the uh, sustenance that it needs for survival, and over time, those teeth can grow long, you know, long in the tooth, so to speak, right. and uh, you need to provide the chinchilla with the appropriate materials to, to maintain that, and it could be pine wood, it could be other pumice-like substances, and there's plenty of companies that make a whole array of supplies to support chinchilla general health and, and well-being that's a necessary part of chinchilla care did you ever have to with those long teeth ever have to file them down i can imagine he probably wouldn't I, like that no I he, he does it naturally yeah as long as you provide the chinchilla with the appropriate tools and utilities to self-serve you don't you you won't be making trips to the right to the vet or, right. or trying to trying to pull something like that off yourself. You mentioned Kevin, that he's fairly quiet. Does he vocalize? Do chinchillas vocalize at all? Rarely I heard noise from Chi-Chi, and eerily enough, when I would, it almost sounded like laughter, almost a baby's laughter, and there there, there were times of excitement. You know, he definitely developed his own personality, and you know, if he felt threatened, 
he might let out what I would really relate to a zipper, maybe uh, a quick zipper zipping up or down, but repeatedly, you know, the only times I would ever hear that is in the event I needed to change his environment for any reason. If we were moving or perhaps a fire alarm went off, what would he do? Well, he would, uh, like I said, he would zip and, um, and he would run around the cage and try to avoid <laughs> avoid changing his environment. And, right. you know, he really is a, a creature of habit. thing that I did notice in the research was there was a great deal of emphasis on the emotional stability of chinchillas, that they are very delicate, and you can't move them or change their mates or change their diets without them becoming really, truly upset. And finally, we're almost wrapped up here, but I wanted to know, you know, a chinchilla is not like a dog or a cat that will come up and nuzzle you and, and seek attention. At any time, did the chinchilla show any of that affection? Yeah, definitely. How, how did did he express it? Yeah, he would he would come up and you know, he might put his paw on my finger or, you know, I, I, I could pet Chi-Chi. I could pet him like a dog. I could get my hand behind his head and really get in there and, and pet his ears. And Would he know I was what you able, uh, Yeah, I was able to pull him out of the cage and, and let him run around. And, you know, we had a really big wheel that he could run in. And, you know, chinchillas are nocturnal, so that wheel would make significant noise. And it would happen at 3 or 4 in the morning. Oh, God. But, you know, you provided enough space and, and area. It's not a problem. Kevin, thank you very much. Appreciate your insights on chinchillas. And that is our animal description for this episode of the Visit the Zoo podcast. Thank you, Brett. Thank you for having me. a little bit about the chinchilla and i want to thank kevin very much for coming by the studio and telling us great information inside information that only somebody who lives with a chinchilla would know all right let's go back to our three animal sounds and i'll tell you a little bit about these animals let's play the first one and that is a guanaco and it is native to South America, and it's built, and it looks somewhat like a llama. Its habitat is in the pampas and the mountains of South America, in Argentina and Chile. There are about 600,000 of them in population in existence today. They live in herds, mostly females with young and dominant males as the head of the group. They can run fast, about 35 miles per hour, and they're good swimmers, and they live about 20 to 25 years. Some guanacos live in the Atacama Desert, where parts of it, it hasn't rained for over 50 years. Winds may bring in moisture from the wetter areas surrounding the Atacama to cacti, and the guanaco eat the cacti, the flowers and the lichen. The species is considered wild, but there are about 300 guanacos in zoos around the world. Okay, let's play our next animal sound. Now, this is a very strange flightless bird, the cassowary. It looks like an emu, a big emu. It has a black body, a blue neck, a white head, and some kind of a large protuberance on the top of its head. And it's got a piece of red dangling flesh that comes off of his neck. They can be aggressive, and they are the second largest living bird on the planet. They're slightly smaller than the ostrich and the emu, and the females are larger and are more brightly covered. They live in the rainforest of 
New Guinea, several smaller islands, and also in northeastern Australia. They will wander out of those rainforests into nearby savannas and open spaces. They eat mainly fruit, but can eat small invertebrates and invertebrates. Now to their reputation. They can be dangerous, and they can be suddenly aggressive. They have killed dogs and people, but they are considered shy and getting lost in the jungle and the rainforest before the humans ever spot them. All right, here is our third animal sound for today. Gibbons are apes. They're considered as a smaller or lesser ape. They live in tropical rainforests in Bangladesh and northeast India. China, Sumatra, Borneo, Java, and they look somewhat like a monkey, but they have no tail, so they are true apes. They're smaller than bonobos and chimps and gorillas and orangutans and, of course, humans. They move from tree to tree by swinging up to 50 feet and at speeds of up to 34 miles per hour, but they can stand up and they can become bipedal with arms raised for balance. They retain their mates for life. They have long-term bonds with their mates. Their coloring is dark to light brown. They are social animals, territorial, and they're vocal. They're very, very vocal, as you can hear. Their diet is considered to be mostly fruit, but they also like leaves, insects, flowers, birds' eggs, and, of course, no frozen dinners. And those are our three animal sounds for today. All right, we're coming to the end here of our episode number 40. We had a, a lot going on, but I, it wouldn't be an episode of Visit the Zoo if I didn't have a poem or maybe some quotes at the very end. And I've got just a poem today, and it's written by John Leroy Maxwell. And in his self-described bio, he describes himself as single, retired, physical exercise, lover of veggie burgers, and a passion for poetry. His poem is called Animal Friends. Walking round my yard, I just wanted to see if any little friends wanted company. I saw Mrs. Robin sitting in a tree, guarding her nest and her children three. She was busy at the moment and said, go visit Mr. Squirrel. He just broke up with his cute little girl. I said, how do you know Mr. Squirrel? So blue, I have some nuts I'd like to share with you. He replied, keep the nuts. I don't want to be fed. I'm feeling so sad. I'm going back to bed. I left in a hurry to catch Mr. Rabbit. He was hopping along in his usual habit. I said, hi, Mr. Rabbit. Good to see you. He replied, good to see you too, but I got a lot of work to do. As I strolled around the house, I saw the groundhog and the grouse. They were both very busy, so I went to see Mrs. Mouse. Mrs. Mouse is usually home, because she rarely leaves the house. She put a sign on the wall that was flapping in the breeze. It read, Open house today. Please bring cheese. No one today wants to talk or play. I guess I'll read a book. But first let me see if the animals are all safe. It's worth a second look.
And that's it. We've come to the end of episode number 40 of the Visit the Zoo podcast. I want to thank you very much for joining me today. And don't forget our three websites. Our main website is Zoo animals that's plural zoo animals dot info then my author site is frederick fishman spelled f-i-c-h-m-a-n dot com and if you want to help and support all that we do here at visit the zoo you can go to our patreon site at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash visit the zoo and also don't forget our two merchandise stores where we sell our nameplate apparel zoo's wear and you can get to those sites. The easiest way is by going to uh, the main website at zooanimals.info, zooanimals.info. And at the very top of the homepage, you'll see tabs for Zoo's Wear on Amazon and Zoo's Wear on Zazzle. All you got to do is just click on that and you go right to the store. So please subscribe, rate, review, and comment on iTunes or wherever else you listen to the Visit the Zoo podcast. Once again, I want to thank you very much for joining me and hope you have a great week ahead. Take care and bye for now.